0: Welcome to the Advance Born Global podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the non-profit organisation that shines a spotlight on the impact of outstanding global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet all 34 game changers recognised in the 2022 Global Australian Awards. These inspiring game changers generously share the story of their international career journey with us the highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know these inspiring game changers. In this episode, we meet Caroline Malcolm, a 2022 game changer, for her research and influence at the forefront of global policy making around blockchain and digital assets. I found her career journey fascinating, and I'm sure you will too. Joining me on this interview is Cathy Campbell, the producer of the Global Australian Awards. How would you describe what you do, let's say to a high school audience, how would you describe what you do and what your day-to-day looks like? Sure.
1: So, I guess in simple terms, I support governments all across the world as they seek to understand and... respond to one of the fastest-growing innovations of our time, which is is blockchain and and digital assets, um, and helping to shape their policy response to those technology developments. The flip side of the work that I do is working with industries, so working with private sector, not just to track what those latest tech developments are, but to help them understand the policy objectives that governments are seeking to achieve with regulations, as well as to help reimagine what effective tools look like for regulation, for supervision, and for compliance in in this space.
0: Kathy, I might ask you to take over at this point. Um, I'm getting uh, a bit. I'm, I'm getting patches. Absolutely, sorry, Caroline. We
2: we had decided that um, if. Johanna's uh, internet was very patchy that um, I would be sitting here with a list of questions in front of us. (laughs) So in terms of you describing what you do, I was listening to that answer going, gosh, there's so much about this that I don't know and maybe it's just my generation, but... um is there a natural fit for younger people? Are they getting what you're saying? Are they going yeah, I know I know exactly.
1: <laughs> Look, I think maybe when I, when I talk about digital assets, I guess the the type of digital assets that people are most familiar with are things like cryptocurrencies. Things like NFTs, and I've seen a lot about them in, in the news lately. Um, and those are just types of, of digital assets, but they're probably the types that people are most for, familiar with things like Bitcoin, things like Ethereum.
2: So, with this being what seems to me to be a very rapidly changing um, sector, was this something that you had your mind on or your your eyes on when you were going through high school? Like, what did you always see this as your goal? De-
1: definitely not. <laughs> Look, when I was going through high school, I mean, this this uh, field was n- not even in existence, and I mean, like many people when I was younger, I you know, I when I was a child, I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, when I was at high school, I, I worked out that. Uh, although I really liked math, science was not um, particularly compatible with my brain. So um, that then led me to think about instead uh, being a lawyer. And then of all things, I became a tax lawyer, which was a big surprise to me. Um, and But I also discovered that I really, really loved it. And I became a tax lawyer working uh, for government in Australia. And from there got more involved uh, less with sort of cases day to day and more on the sort of policy side, sort of what is the vision, what's the role of tax in, in society and how do, we, how do we tax different things. And it, tax is a really foundational part of the relationship between governments and, and, and communities. Um, that took me overseas to work with the OECD and i was there for 12 years and during that time i just became more interested in in technology at how technology was changing the world that we live in first i was interested from a tax perspective um, and then i just became more interested in sort of the broader space of technology policy at this time Uh, cryptocurrencies were starting to get more and more attention. I started to learn a bit about them, think about them from a tax perspective, and then ultimately think about them from a much broader uh, perspective and uh, ended up setting up and and running the Blockchain Policy Centre at the OECD. And, uh, you know, here I am sort of five years later into this space. um, You know, very much surprised uh, to to have ended up here, um, but very happy to as well.
2: That's such a journey and um, it's such a lovely question to ask because there are so many young people who, as they're going through high school, feel like they somehow should know what they, they're going to be doing in 10 years or 15 years. But the journey you've just described is what is going to be, I think, very common for most people heading out now. There's jobs that exist that we don't even think about or know about yet. What motivates you each day to do what you do?
1: Yes, look, I mean... At the sort of macro level, I've worked with governments my entire career. And in doing so, and I firmly believe in the the role of government, but I've also seen that the kind of hardest challenges and the biggest opportunities um, that we have to to solve and, and to seize really requires a partnership between governments and other stakeholders, whether that be industry, academia and and civil society. And I think the reason for that is just our systems, our economies, our societies today are just far too complex for it to be any other way. And when it comes to technology specifically, the pace of change that we see in technology is another factor which which means it needs a sign of a, an approach that brings in lots of different actors. So for me, kind of at that macro level, it's a chance to help kind of meet that challenge and, and kind of seize those opportunities and be part of sort of building the world that I want to live in and, and see that in a sort of very tangible way. And then at the day-to-day level, it's such a really exciting space to be working in if you are interested in in policy and sort of shaping you know both in terms of protecting from downside risk but also creating a space for innovation. Um, It's one of the most exciting spaces that you can be in because it is so new. It's very foundationally different from many of the other technologies that that we're more used to. And so you get to bring a lot of creativity to to that process. So, yeah, it it ends up being a fantastic, fantastic space to be in.
2: So you were just saying then that... It's exciting to be thinking about creating the world that you want to live in. Can you tell us a bit more? What does that look like? for you.
1: Yeah, so look, I mean, a lot of the, you know, this space when it comes to sort of digital assets is, is very, very new. Um, the, the technology allows um, decision-making and organisation to be much more decentralised than, than we've ever seen before. And so with that opportunity, and this is sort of building on what we saw with the internet, which is sort of the ability for people to uh, connect from all over the world, what this technology allows in the same way that you know the internet allows us to share information globally this allows us really to share value globally in a way which is very direct in the same way that today I can send an email from myself to somebody else um, without you know going to somebody else I don't need to go to the post office and send a letter for example we still don't have that with when it comes to value and and value can mean money but it can also mean you know other sorts of you know um, scarce objects and this technology allows us to do that for the first time so when I you know when I think about like is, you know being part of a world that allows me to do that I think it just opens up a huge amount of opportunities whether it be if you're a sort of a creator an artist and being able to think about new ways to actually have people you know directly connect with the people who are interested in your work um, yeah it's, it's very interesting and, and kind of a space that I want to help open up while also as i said sort of protecting um for for downside risks as well
2: so what would be some of those downside risks just for an example
1: so look i I think the one that sort of you know comes up most frequently is for example in relation to sort of illicit activity in all its forms but including for example money laundering or ransomware which are areas where we've seen sort of um, particularly in ransomware, sort of grow over time and is of increasingly concerns to, to governments, um, but also for, you know, for everyone from sort of individuals to large corporations who might be hit by a, a ransomware attack. Um, and thinking about, you know, how to make sure that this technology, you know, can't be used to facilitate, you know, those sorts of attacks and can't be used and, and you know, where, you know, ransom are paid to actually be able to trace the funds to to their destination really understand you know who's shifting that 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 money um, and so those are you know that's one area where um, you know we have to think about well how can we make sure and how can we prevent and mitigate you know that from happening to to the greatest extent possible
2: yes yeah sounds like a lot of your work is having, discussions ongoing discussions
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is there's a huge there's a huge i mean there's a huge education component um we have a huge amount of data and helping just uh, governments in particular understand what's going on in this space how the technology is being used is a big part of it but there's also as you say a sort of discussion exchange part of it which is This is a new space. So we're also learning things. It's not just, you know, telling people the way things are. It's all about understanding, okay, well, you know, what are you thinking about? What are the ways that we can address this new challenge? What are new tools that you might need to help address this and how can they be built? for for examples and and that kind of exchange of ideas this is not a space where this is a sort of a status quo where you know everything's been done and you kind of rinse and repeat every day this is very very new um, and that's what makes it uh, so exciting and, and so challenging and I think coming back to your sort of earlier question about you know planning out a career which I think is is impossible to do and probably not advisable in any way but that's what was attractive to me which was doing something where you get to learn every day something which is challenging um something which is you know in an area where you think you kind of have a skill set that might add value those are the things that attracted me to do this work and then and then there's a variety of kind of roles you can take to allow you to actually do that but kind of helping decide what area of work and then you can narrow it down to particular roles but that was the attraction for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you left Australia and in one of your roles, you were overseas for 12 years in a particular role or particular country. Can you tell us more about your global journey?
1: Yeah. So I, um, when it actually really began when I was 15, I went and did a six month exchange program in, in France, living with a French family. And that gave me a taste, um, for, you know, what the experience of living in a different culture is like um and it was actually such a shock that I lost my voice for two days I was sort of stunned <laughs> to find myself living in a very very different place um and and so I sort of didn't say anything for two days uh, <laughs> literally lost my voice and but they gave me a taste of what it's like you know in France in particular but just more generally um beyond uh, beyond Australia and I then had the opportunity uh, in 2010 to move actually back to France um, and to work with the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which is based in Paris. Um, and then I stayed there for 12 years, which, you know, you go for a two year contract and, and suddenly 12 years have passed. Um, I also was fortunate in that time that I had essentially sort of four different roles in that time so it, it, it there was a lot of scope in that organization for me to to grow to try new things and and really help kind of pin down you know where it is that I wanted to focus um my my efforts in my
2: career and you're still in France is that where you are now uh so in
1: January this year so about six months ago I uh, took up a new role in a new company uh this time at Chainalysis um and it's based uh, my role is based in london it's uh an international role so i work everywhere from sort of latin america through europe middle east and, and on to asia and, and and also australia and in fact i was just in australia um about six weeks ago and um but but the role is now based in london and that's a that's a relatively recent um switch for me from after 12 years in paris
2: yes such a shift, but it's not that far away. Paris is not that it's far not. from like it's, it's not like, you know, Australia being far, yeah, far away. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: yes. So you've just been back, recently back to Australia. Is that your first visit after, you know, through that pandemic period? Um, you know, you, you were in Paris, you weren't over here.
1: No, that's right. So I was in in Paris throughout the pandemic, and obviously um, didn't have the chance to to visit for about two and a half years, which is really difficult. I still have family in Australia. It was difficult to be away from family for that long, and also to sort of just be away from uh, Australia, which is quite you know you know that unique that sort of sense of coming home it is. Um, you know, it's a place, I guess, where you can relax in many ways that you can't, even no matter how long you end up living overseas, I think. Um, so I did have the chance, though, between roles to come back to Australia for a whole month in December, just after um, most of the restrictions were were lifted. And yeah, you certainly end up asking yourself, why don't I live here anymore?
2: <laughs> so. <laughs> so what does it mean to you? I- to be recognized in this way by your you know your home country your original country
1: look it's it's an incredible honor Um, as I said, I've been living outside of Australia now for 12 years. And, And to be honest, in my first few years, I didn't think too much about sort of being an Australian or the fact that I wasn't living at home. But over time, it's become more and more important to me to maintain my links to Australia and where I can to sort of try and leverage my experience to help kind of bring something back to to Australia in in my own small way and I guess for me you know being selected as a finalist um, for the Global Australian Awards means it's it's sort of another opportunity to be able to to do that and kind of share that experience and I think too I really appreciate the chance to talk about an aspect of kind of working internationally. The work that I've done has been working with international organisations and now working, uh, you know, internationally from the private sector with governments. It's not an area that people necessarily think about a lot if they think about, I want to, you know, I want to have a career that allows me to go overseas. This, um, you know, I certainly didn't know about it. It wasn't at all on my radar, um, but it's, I think it's, one is really interesting work to do. Um, it's really challenging work, and it's very um, uh, fulfilling work to do. So I hope that you know, knowing that that's a possibility, inspires more people to think about it as a as a choice for them.
2: Thank you. And you've you've touched on where we're going with this next question and the final one. Really, is around you know, what advice would you give to someone early on in their career or or someone who's even just heading, you know, sort of at the end of high school, heading into uni, going, oh, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll do X.
1: Yeah. Look, I guess firstly um, that you know, it's particular sort of digital asset. Um, space the blockchain distributed ledger technology it's a very exciting and dynamic field and it's also a very young field and that means that even the most experienced people only have sort of 10 13 years experience uh, in it and so that means if you're even if you're relatively young um, there's actually a huge opportunity to quickly become an expert in a particular area and kind of contribute um, in a in a way and at a level that you the in other fields might take you know a whole career of, of sort of you know 40 years of work to, to get to that to that same level this is a space which is still very much uh, evolving and so your opportunity to contribute is is relatively high as an individual um, I think more generally the kind of the idea about working you know for governments or with governments I think if people think oh, I want to do something interesting, exciting, it's it's not necessarily what they first think about. And so I would say to try and challenge that idea that, um, you know, the work that you get to do with, with governments is number one incredibly impactful so you can touch and and reach the lives of a huge number of of people which is also a huge responsibility um but it's also some of the most kind of interesting and cutting-edge work you have to think about what is the challenges that you have and and all these different priorities that you have to try and meet all these different policy objectives that you have to try and meet different constituencies different concerns and try and boil all of that down into a particular you know a particular policy and and that just you know it requires you to really take into account a lot of different perspectives and that makes the the role also uh, very exciting but also very challenging and Maybe just finally, is to say, you know, as we touched on earlier, it, this is not you, i don't think for very few people will you think I want to do x and then you end up doing X for the rest of your career. I ended up adding more to my degree after you know after my parents said maybe you want to add something a little bit more practical uh, to 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 what I was thinking of doing. I ended up really enjoying it. I fell into tax because that was the role that I was offered when I looked in the ads uh, in the paper when I needed to go and get some practical experience as a lawyer in order to finish my degree and I ended up loving it and that's why I did a you know a master's in international tax um, and then and then since then I sort of uh, you know, what happened in terms of policy was very serendipitous, and then I sort of fell into to the world of technology policy, not just tax, um, over time. So these are not things that you can that you can plan. But I would really just look for those roles, you know, or those areas of interest more to the point where you can, you know, do something which excites you, which is challenging, and where you have something to add. And then within that that basket, like there are lots of different ways you can contribute in different roles. So don't sort of feel stuck that, oh, well, I didn't get that role. There's probably a different way that you can contribute to that space, just not necessarily in the way you were first thinking about
0: it. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more on global Australian game changes over the last decade, please go to our website, advance.org.